Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. On this episode, we are beginning a new series on wisdom. And so this season, we are going to discuss how wisdom interacts with so many different things in our culture. I'm Elizabeth Woodson, and today I am joined by my co-host, Tamarcus. Hey, Tamarcus. What's going on? Now, we missed you. I don't know what you've been doing. You ain't been around. <laughs> you just left us. Nah. Just here and there, you know. I'm glad to be back, though. Yay! Glad to be back. So what have you been up to? What's something fun that you've been doing? Uh, You know, so I got to go to Austin for the first time in my adult life. Really? Yep. You know, Austin, you know, to keep Austin weird, I felt that. It's a vibe in Austin, um, but it was a it was a good time. Got to go to a leadership conference there, and then just been writing, working, okay. doing the family thing, okay, husband thing. What's one leadership tip you picked up that you're like, I'm gonna use that? Mm, man, one of the biggest tips I learned was uh, so they were talking about leading, um, how some people lead intuitively, um, and I guess I learned about myself that I'm a more intuitive leader which isn't always bad. Uh, it can be a good thing, um, but it can't be, re- it's not, can't be relied upon. And okay. so there might be certain things that you're like, mm, I just feel like this is a thing, but we need strategies and structures around us to like guard that. Yeah. And then also that intuition isn't repeatable. So as you're trying to lead other people into, uh, you know, leadership roles, you need that structure and strategy for them to be able to have tangible things to, discern what they should do um, when it doesn't come intuitively. I hear some key words. Sorry, I dropped that. You saw that. Discern. Discernment. Okay. So this season, we're talking about wisdom. Today is our first episode. And so we're just going to frame our conversation about wisdom. What is wisdom? What is virtue? How does our Christian framework um, give us a foundation to be able to understand this conversation? Um, so Tamarcus, can you just kind of... Um, Help us jump into the conversation. You read a really interesting article that you were talking to us about. And so can you share about that and kind of how it connects with this idea of wisdom? Absolutely. Uh, so a good good friend of mine, uh, Joy Hinesco, he's a writer, producer. He does all kinds of things. He's like a jack of all trades when it comes to writing and editing. Uh, but he wrote a piece uh, called uh, Bojack Horseman um, in Contemplation. And, and part of what he's... Uh, really describing. He's talking about a, a TV show and, and media, but really his idea spans further than just uh, what we watch. It could be what we listen, really just how we engage with the world around us. And so uh, just some key things that he kind of takes uh, to take out of the article. He um, kind of juxtaposes um, consumption culture with contemplation. And so when we think consumption culture, all of us, you know, this maybe sounds, you know, foreign but we all get it. It's when you, you know, open your phone to get on Instagram and you was just going to check that message. But then all of a sudden you ended up, you know, 10 threads deep on some memes that you're like, where was I even on here for? 
or you know you're listening to Spotify and it's just taking you to one song to the next and next thing you know you're listening to something you're like I don't even know what this is how do we how do we get here <laughs> it's just that kind of like mindless yeah. consumption where you let the algorithm you know be your guide and he's like there is a uh, there's a danger to that because uh, as he says um, what we do does something back to us and when we're not mindful of the things that we're engaging with or how they're affecting us or the messaging that they're giving or um, how they're discipling us to, you know, put some biblical language on it, uh, that can be damaging. But rather, um, there's a call for us to be contemplative, um, which is a fancy way of saying we need to pay attention to the things that are going on around us. And so he he closes out the article, right? Because one way that when these kinds of conversations come up, it's, you know, what should I um, what should I busy myself with? And then what should I stay away from? And I love what he says at the end. He says, we were created to contemplate, not to avoid. Empty calorie consumption in all its forms gives us a way out and allows us to never truly reckon with ourselves or the world around us. Um, we're entranced by its promises of zoned out peace and never ending leisure but we end up chewed up and swallowed by its endless demand for more of our attention and affection. Like Bojack, we end up destroyed by the thing that promises us peace. And so there's, what's interesting is the way to get out of that isn't to avoid everything, right? But rather he's like, hey, we need to, we need to be aware so that we can engage with it appropriately. Maybe that does mean avoiding some things, but that's coming from a place of having first paid attention to it. And so, I don't know, I just think that's a good way to jump into this idea of discernment because you need discernment in order to to do those kinds of things. Yeah, because when I think about people asking questions about discernment, and this whole season um, kind of popped out of a lot of the questions you guys asked at the end of last season, um, and they kind of uh, surrounded this idea of wisdom. And so it's like, well, how do I know what's the right choice for me to make? Mm -hmm. And, you know, listening to you talk about that article, like it just brings to mind that we're so sometimes we're so consumed with the action yes. that we are not focused on this discipleship aspect or who we're being formed into. The action is just the overflow of something else. It really is the end product. And we need to think about what the input is and the input will change what the end product is. Yeah. Um, but I think what trips us up in wisdom and you, you know, um, jump in on this with me, um, is that we focus too much on what's the right decision I need to make and not who do I need to be as a person. Mm, that's real good. Yes, yes. Because that that so often is, I mean, is what God is after, right? Um, I think of uh I think of Romans 12, right, is a is a great kind of pinpoint of this this idea of discernment. And it's so much of it has to do with um, who we are to be and um, who we who we belong to even, right? Um, popular verse, uh, Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, right? Like we first and foremost belong to him. We are, that holy is just a fancy way of saying we're set apart designated for a specific use for God. And he gets to determine that. Um, and then he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And we easily want to jump to that, discern what's, what the will of God is and like to know and understand and have clarity, right? And it's like, but what precedes that is exactly what you said. We need to first 
not be conformed to this world, but be conformed, be transformed. We need to, we need to be something different. Um, and that comes with the working of the spirit that then allows us uh, out of this newness to be able to discern and do those things. And so yeah. it's, it is uh, pivotal to first get those parts right um, before we're able to dive into like the, the minutiae of the, you know, yeah. the, the questions. Yeah. Cause I think conversations about wisdom and discernment um, are kind of rooted in what should I value? What should I prioritize? Mm-hmm. What should I give my attention to? You know, whether it's a relationship, we're going to talk about some um, like really pressing questions, I think, in in our moment today in terms of like what how should I respond to this option of activity that I have yeah. to participate in? But it's it it the value is not our starting place for the value is what does God value? Yeah. And I don't think we always like that space Mm-mm. because that's not. We the, think we do. We think we do. Oh, <laughs> I'm just. We think we let we use a case study, right? It's like so. You a, a common one is like, man, uh, looking for this this job, and I got these three opportunities, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, you know, I want to I want to make do the best one where God has me. Cool. What's our What's the metric? How are you measuring where to? Nine times out of ten, it's like what you know they're offering this much, and well, this one comes with benefits, and 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 hear me, I'm not saying that those definitely like those are things to consider, but it's man, if those are my primary and only metrics of how I'm measuring, um, there's a lot that's being left out of the table in terms of value, right? Yeah. And so it's man, like where's the man? What um, which one of these are gonna give me the space to do the most kingdom work? Mm-hmm. What is what is God? Uh, a few, you know, a couple podcasts ago, we got to sit down with uh, Dr. Strickland, and he talked about the different levels of work. Yeah, um, we were talking about like a theology of work, and it's not just the thing that we do to make money, but it's also uh, the work that we do in our community to help our neighbor, and the the work that we participate in in our households as a family. And so it's like, man, is this like financial yeah. gain work? going to usurp and disrupt the kind of work mm-hmm. that I can do in my community and local church and family unit? Are those things of of enough value to me that I would say no to a higher dollar amount so that I could make, right? So now we're getting into, oh, but that's why I say I, we, we want to, but it's like when the rubber meets the road, it's like, man, am I willing to make those sacrifices? Am I willing to present myself a sacrifice so that I can be positioned in the best place that God has me. And it's those are tough decisions to make. They're really tough decisions uh, because what it what it shifts us to um to view life and ourselves really, I mean, I'm just repeating what you just said, uh, is that we exist to for the, to sacrifice our life for the sake of another. Yeah. And that another is God. Mm. And so how does this this job or this opportunity or this decision or this habit or that I can or cannot participate in um, how does that push forward the kingdom work that God wants me to do? Or how does that detract from that? Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to be comfortable or it's not like, I think in our culture, what pushes us forward is, does this make me happy? Does this make mm-hmm. me feel good? Does this keep me comfortable? I mean, you should do you, live your life. If it's good for you, man, that's, that is the marker of what is a good decision. And it's like, no, the good decision, the wisdom starts with, um, I think somewhere it talks about the fear of the Lord. Mm. <laughs> Come on now. The Proverbs points us to that, that it's a humility of me understanding how to live in God's world. And the definition I use for wisdom 
um, is living in God's way in God's world. And that starts with the humility that, one, I don't know how to do that. I need the Lord to help me. But also the goal is not me. The goal mm-hmm. is the Lord. And that changes the entire way that we approach a lot of the conversations. Because I think sometimes when we ask questions about, man, what's the wise decision if we are bringing into our thought process, well, what helps me glorify God more? What helps me show who he is to the world better? What helps me reach people um, and do the work he's called me to do? Then that, I mean, there's still questions about wisdom, um, but it might lessen the amount of questions we have because yeah. it comes a little bit more clear of what is the better option, not that what fits me, mm-hmm. but what serves the Lord. That's good. Well, and, and along those lines, cause, and I've heard this pushback before in conversations like this, so I'd love to get your, your thoughts on it of, you know, people say, well, God's not, he's not concerned with like these little petty questions, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, he's more concerned with like the broader, the bigger, bigger picture, like, it doesn't matter what job you get. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. It doesn't, you know, um, and like, is there, is there merit to that? Like, is, is God concerned? Um, and maybe there's a, a, a balance we need to strike, mm-hmm. but is it, you know, if it's the choice between the two jobs, like, can I pick the wrong job? Like, mm-hmm. will God be disappointed? Yeah. Or is it like, or is he not even concerned with, like, oh, you just go wherever you want. My hand's not in it. Like, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we wrestle with that? Yeah, I think people do. Um, become consumed with like, what is the right, perfect, exact decision that I need to make? And that if I make the wrong one, um, that my whole life is going to be thrown off course. I used to lead singles ministry. And you might have these conversations with Mm -hmm. your young adults. And I would tell them like, you, there's no right, perfect one person for any of us. I believe what matters is not just who you decide to marry, but how you fight to stay married. Mm. Um, And- you know, and so it just is like people are like, man, if I don't find the right perfect person, it's like, look, you know, when you're first dating anyway, who you are is not showing up. Nope. <laughs> like half your brain is off. I don't think it really kicks in until a little bit later down the road. Mm-hmm. But it is the question of am I showing up as God has called me to show up in this world in this relationship? Well, that changes everything. Am I serving this person? Am I loving them with the love of Christ? Um, and so I think that we include, we don't become um, like, uh, we don't allow trying to figure out what the wise decision is to like entrap us in this. I have to find the perfect decision. I have to find the, find the one right job or the one right neighborhood. But mm-hmm. that you include in your decision process, how does this help me be who God's called me to be in this yeah. world? And I think if we include it in the decision-making process, then wherever we land, it focuses us on being who God has called us to be as his people in that place, in that neighborhood, in that job, in that relationship. And so we're going on the right path. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's, I want to, man, you said so many things I want to piggyback on. Um, First to the relationship piece, right? Um, Because I have had people ask me that, you know, like, how did you know your wife was, how did she know you were the right one? And it's like, we knew each other was the right one because we chose each other. And it's like, that's, that's it. I, I The number of times I've had conversations with people where it's like, you know, it's post-marriage and they're like, man, I just, I, you know, all that stuff you were saying, I think you were right. Like I should. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like now's not the time to discern whether or not, you know, like now's the time, as you said, right, it's to it's to fight to stay married. Right. Like you've chosen, like you've made the decision and now we do the work 
to make it work. And obviously there are, you know, cases of, of abuse and infidelity and all those things that, um, that throw wrenches in it. But in the case of, oh, I think I might have made the wrong choice and I want to choose different. It's like, that's not, that's not the, the kingdom metric for, for marriage and relationship. Um, and I think even to that, like you were saying, the the neighborhood here, the neighborhood there, like having having those kingdom metrics mm-hmm. to um, to help us decide, right? Going back to who we are and not just where we go. Um, you know, I think Exodus is still on the front of my brain because we're teaching it in Bible class mm-hmm. right now. But uh, we talk about how significant it was that God brought the people to Mount Sinai in the wilderness first before he took them to the promised land. Because what was great about the promised land wasn't, the land itself, um, what was significant was the people that God was trying to make them into um, and them being in relationship with him appropriately. Um, and that was going to make them effective in that place. And the reality is if, we're the, if we are becoming um, the right kind of people and are abiding with God in the right way, then we're going to be effective for his kingdom wherever he puts us. Um, and that the kind of confidence in that comes as we are um, we are doing those things first. And it's sometimes we want to put the cart before the horse. We just want to be in the promised land. And God's like, no, we got to do the, we got to do the, we got to do the work first. If y'all could see like the amount of hand claps and like amens <laughs> I want to get right now. <laughs> I'm trying to be respectful of your ears and not have too much background noise. But it is so much of scripture is, is, is identity formation. Yes. Because sin has corrupted the entirety of our being. It corrupts our mind and our emotions and our will. And God, through scripture, what we see is him forming his people to be who they were intended to be in the very beginning. Yes. And, you know, when you read through, um, I think the comparison between like Joshua and first and second Samuel, first and King, Joshua and Judges, period. And the people had a job to do in the land. Mm -hmm. And they were to be a witness to the nations of this is what it means to worship the one true God. The other nations had their gods that they were worshiping. And by the way, Israel showed up. They were supposed to point them to Yahweh. Joshua leads them into the way of God. And so they're able to do that. But once they stop, like at the very end of Joshua, he's like, this only works if mm-hmm. you follow the Lord. And the people are like, yeah, we're going to do it, Joshua. We're going to follow the Lord. Judges, negative. Immediately, it's no. It's a wrap. Didn't happen. And what you see is it was in who they were supposed to be then flowed into how they were showing up in the land. And so we see behavior that's a hot mess because the people were not following God and being who they were called to be by following the law and all the things that God had given them. But it's just so much of scripture is identity formation Mm -hmm. Um, and identity formation because you have kingdom work to do. Yes. And that, to me, that, and that undergirds wisdom so much. It's like, what's the kingdom? I I like what you said to Marcus. What's the kingdom metric Mm -hmm. that I can use for this situation because the goal is God's glory and not how much can I get away with and still be a Christian? Because listen, you said it before, we were talking about before we started recording, Christians can do unwise things. Fact. Like, we, yes. Um, Because wisdom is not, we don't wake up wise. Mm -mm. Uh, Wisdom is something that we learn and we learn in community from um, the word and from God's people. But uh, it's a process and it's a process over time. Yeah, 
and I, I loved it. I love that you brought that up. That that's something that we learn in community. Um, I was I was having lunch with some coworkers yesterday, and we were talking about um, how you know people were talking about how they met their spouses, just different things. And it was like everybody was like, I mean, it it sounds crazier um, uh, hearing hearing the the end product, but they're like all of all of these decisions came in the midst of community. Like what made it clear was the abundance of godly counsel who was speaking into the situation that allowed be like, okay, this is, this is a good way for us to go. Like we, um, discernment isn't something that happens in a vacuum, um, by us alone. Like not, not one of us has all of it ourselves. Um, I can't remember. It's a early church father, something I read when I was in seminary. I don't remember which one it was, <laughs> but he said it, it ain't scripture. So, you know, um, but, but it was helpful. He was like, we, like God has given all of us like a little bit of light. And it's mm-hmm. like, we need the light of our brothers and sisters to like help illuminate, um, illuminate his truth for one another. We Not one of us all has the whole thing. Um, and that's where the, the body of church becomes so effective. And so I think, um, I think, Thinking about that in in certain ways, like where have you seen maybe in your own life where it was like, man, like there's this this thing I was walking through or this season that I was in. And it was like it like it took my like if it was not for my community, if it wasn't for this person in my life who saw something that I couldn't see, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't have been able to yeah, discern uh, what to do in those moments. Yeah, when I think about wisdom and discernment, I often think about my parents um, mm-hmm. because they for obvious reasons, hopefully, um, we're so formative in my faith. My parents are Christians, love the Lord, the real deal. Um, and I think specifically, I was thinking, of, uh, I'm thinking about a conversation I had with my mom and I was going through a really hard season in ministry and I just wanted to give up and get off the ship. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I know you called me Lord, but I'm gonna put this phone down. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go back to what I was doing. Oh, and man. it just, I tell people, ministry That's is beautiful real. and hard. Like, it, it just is. is. Working with mm-hmm. God's people. And um, I love it. I love it. But I also recognize that it's beautiful and hard. Difficult, yeah. And so what my mother pointed me to is a need for perseverance and resilience. And she was like, mm-hmm. Elizabeth, sometimes you have to be able to encourage yourself. <sighs> Like you are waiting for all these people to kind of come around you and help you get up off the floor. And sometimes you do have the errands and hers. Mm -hmm. But sometimes what wisdom says is you have to stay here until God tells you it's time to go. Mm. Like we want to go when it's uncomfortable, when it's hard, when it presses us to the max. And really in those moments, God does a significant amount of work in our lives. But my mother pressed upon me the wisdom of staying and the wisdom of how do you stay you have to learn to be so close to the Lord that him and you are just like, like it's me and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and not that community is not great and not that I don't need God's people, but I need to be able to wake up in the morning and remind myself of the things that are true about God and live in them and encourage my heart in them for the long haul. And so mm-hmm. I just, like as a woman who... um you know, I've seen her through so many different seasons and seen her. She was a middle school teacher. Pause for all the middle school teachers, y'all. Um, no joke. <laughs> no joke. Like, she w- pressed through difficult seasons. Like, I saw my mother, um, you know, like her parents um, passed away and she and my dad cleaned out the house. Like, they spent six months cleaning out every closet, 
every drawer, every, like, I think about doing something like that. It's so difficult. Mm-hmm. And when I saw what my parents modeled was little bit by little bit, they kept persevering and were resilient, encouraging each other and encouraging themselves and the Lord because the task had to get done. Mm-hmm. And I go back to that often as a point of wisdom in terms of God has called us to accomplish certain things. He's called us to walk up the mountain. Walking up the mountain is hard. But God is with us. And so yes. how do we remind ourselves and are empowered by the presence of the Lord? Um, my mother told me to keep it together <laughs> mm. <laughs> by yeah. returning to Jesus. And so I think of that often when I think of how wisdom from other people has formed me. Yeah. I, I mean, I likewise, man, I've I've learned so much uh, from my parents. And um, you, you spoke on that. I'll speak of just mentors um, mm. in my life as well um, who have, you know, taken the time and poured in and in so many instances in life, like their, um, their words come to mind. Um, not, not too long ago, I had, it was an incident where, um, someone generally, they were encouraging me and, you know, what the Lord has called me in and gifted me in and it was great and it was sweet. Um, and it was, came from somebody that had some esteem and I just remember feeling like, wow, like, you know, dang, that's, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that came to mind was uh, a conversation that I had with one of my mentors when I first graduated from seminary. And he said, um, he said, you, God has gifted you and a lot of people are going to honor you and and praise you for your gifting. And that's good and well. Um, But you also need to, uh, you need to remember to stay humble and like never listen to your own press. And he's like, when I say that, he's like, that doesn't mean doesn't re- don't receive the encouragement, but don't don't let that uh, mistake you to feel like you're more than what God has made you to be. And like, I just, that has just been a, a piece of wisdom that has always helped level me um, or even just be able to discern like where like um, helpful encouragement and non-helpful encouragement can yeah. come. You know, I think about my wife speaking into you know, I always tell people, I'm like, the best sermon feedback I get comes from her because I also know that she loves me enough to say, mm, I don't understand nothing you just said. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, but that's, and it's like a lot of people won't say that, but it's there like, I need, I need that voice. And so when she does say like, that was good, you were very mm-hmm. clear. It's like that, that came from a place that's not afraid to yeah. also give me the pushback that yeah. I need. And so it's just even being, being able to discern the kind of voices we need to let speak into certain areas of our life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not not everybody should have, you know, our um, our ear in the same way. Um, and I think that's, especially with social media and just the kind of the rampant amount of information overload you can get from everywhere. If people, everybody can comment and speak on everything at all times. It's, you know, being able to discern like what, what voices should I actually be letting uh, dictate and direct my decisions? Yes, and amen. We, it's just an onslaught of information mm-hmm. and onslaught of people who, uh, I think back to the conversation, um, not all wisdom, not all words we receive from people who claim to follow Jesus are wise. Mm-hmm. And they're not all pointed us in the right direction. And um, a book I've been reading and kind of this topic of discernment is Faith for Exiles. Um, five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in a Digital Babylon. Wow. And it is written by some folks over at Barna Research as they're kind of seeing how um, a younger generation is engaging culture and how that's affecting how they relate and connect with the Lord. Mm-hmm. 
And they talk about this idea of cultural discernment. And so how do I listen to what I'm consuming? And I'm able to pull it through this framework to think about how does this match up with who God tells me to be, who God says he is, what he calls me to be, like these kingdom metrics. And for us to not run away, you know, I think about Andy Crouch's book on culture and just all the different ways that Christians over time have engaged culture. And sometimes we run away from it, hide, and kind of create our own isolated culture spaces. Um, But that we're able to engage um, actively and, I mean, it's, it's, it's to not consume, but to contemplate mm-hmm. and really think about what is this telling me about what it means to be human? What is this telling me about what I should love, about what the value and goal of life is, um, what I should occupy my free time with, um, what's okay for me to include, what activities are okay for me to participate in, um, all those things. Mm-hmm. And that wisdom to me, because a lot of times, um, I don't know if you get this to Marcus, people are going to ask me, I just need you to tell me, should I do it or shouldn't I do it? Mm-hmm. Like, is it a yes or a no? <laughs> and I'll be like, look, you're not going to like my answer because I'm like, well. <laughs> it depends. It depends. Um, and it depends on, and so I think it's that um, this goal for wisdom is for us to be people who see clearly enough to take information and know what to do with it. Like scripture makes this distinction between just getting knowledge. And sometimes what we want is we want a word from the Lord. We want the Lord to say, go left. Mm. And um, I think about an illustration that uh, one of my mentors uses about like her kids. And so she was like, when my kids were younger, I would put their clothes out for them. Like I would, you know, tell them what to wear because they couldn't make that decision for themselves. But as time gets, as they got older, like, what would the problem be if my 18-year-old son walks into my room and is like, Mom, what shirt should I wear today? I don't know. He's like, you should be able to do that. <laughs> but he's learned over time. And so I think there's this element of as we learn over time, in community, in the Word, getting to know God better, getting to know His voice better, mm. we're able to take the information and make a better decision from it. Not run from it, not ignore it, um, but to see it and to see clearly how does this fit up fit up against the standard of what God has called me to be and do in his world. Um, And so I think that's what leads back to, is this wise? Well, it depends. (laughs) It depends. depends. Let's let's do another case study. Okay. Um, Thinking thinking about all these principles that that we've we've gathered, because I think that's, I mean, what you said is so good. Um, This is something that we learn over time. we talk about that here in our sermon series. Wisdom has a pace. It's slow. We grow wise over time. It's not something that happens uh, immediately. It's not innate to us as believers. Um, but in terms of in terms of applying all of this, something that is a, a question I feel like I get often um, and probably is going to become more prominent as things continue to change in the culture around us. Um, but it's a conversation around marijuana consumption. And it's like, is that is this something that a Christian can do? Is this something that a Christian should do? Um, is it, you know, sometimes people are like, well, the easy answer is it's it's illegal, so don't do it. And it's like, well, it's becoming legal in a lot of places. So then what does that do? Are we, is wisdom strictly guided by what the government says is okay and not okay? Or is there other metrics that we should be using? Uh, how do we How do we wrestle with, like you say, you worked with singles and young adults. I'm sure you've gotten these questions. Like, how do you, how do you engage in this conversation? 
Yeah. Uh, usually when people ask me these questions, I just respond with questions, mm-hmm. <laughs> which makes them unhappy. <laughs> yep. They're like, that's not what I wanted. But it's the question of, okay, you have marijuana or you have alcohol, right? You have these substances that um, can affect how we show up in the world um, yep. and affect our capacities and how we interact and what we say and do to people. And so, you know, the question of why am I using this? Um, what is, how does this allow me to show up in a way that points people to the Lord? Um, Our lives should constantly be a testimony. And so are my habits drawing people in or pulling people away? Um, And again, if it's, uh, to me it is, it's like, what's the motivation for me wanting to do this thing that might be on the fringes, that's on the edge. So I think people ask a lot of questions about like, how far can I go in a relationship? Mm-hmm. It's like, where is the line? Um, to me, it's the line isn't what you can get away with. The line is what brings God glory. And if it jeopardizes yes. his glory, yes. then we live as sacrifices and we should be willing to give that up. Um, and so those questions to me help people think about why am I really caring about this in the first place? I love that. Mm-hmm. I I love and and part of the questions I do the same thing. It's like I want not just I want, like I know that what God wants from us is our heart. Mm-hmm. I could just tell you, no, leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And like that's not gonna that's not gonna change your heart. Like I, I think of the picture of, you know, and I had cause I used to be a middle school teacher to your <laughs> earlier point, uh middle school and high school, and I would tell my students, a lot of them were athletes. I was like, think about how you approach your, your, you know, um, your athletic career. Uh, you're not trying to, you want to be the best in your sport or in your position or whatever. And so you're always looking for another thing that'll give you the edge. Well, if I can, like, I can cut this out of my diet. Mm-hmm. I can do this workout. Like, ooh, there's this new, like, oh, if I get these shoes, like, they're going to help do this or like this. Right. And you're, you're not looking for, like, what's the bare minimum to, mm-hmm. like, be on the team? Like, I just... How do I just get a jersey? Like some people do, and you know, God bless you. But I like, you know, these guys. Like, you want to excel. You want to be the best. You want to go to the next level. You're always looking for like, what can give me the edge to go deeper? Man, if I, if my heart is to grow in a depth of relationship with God, to be about His business. If I'm thinking about the kingdom metrics, then it's like, man, I'm not looking for what's the What's the bare minimum line? I'm looking at like, man, how can I give myself every advantage, right? And so it's, you know, I like you said, I, love, I think just take substance, alcohol, cigarettes, marijuana, whatever it is, is I'm like, man, what's, what what are these, th- How like you say, how are these things setting me up to present myself in the world in a way that pleases God? I remember having a conversation with somebody about like uh, alcohol and they were like, you know, what's what's your limit? And I was like, what do you mean? They are like, like, how much can you consume before you're, you know, not yourself? I like, I don't know. I was like, I typically don't try to, I'm not trying to reach that point because that's not of, that's not my goal. Like I, I, my desire is actually to like stay as far away from that, <laughs> that point as I possibly can. And so I just set up boundaries. Like, I don't know, this is going to be my limit and I don't want to know what, how much further I, cause it's, it's not about getting that much further. You know what I mean? And so I think having that, that heart check of what am I doing? Um, I even, I even go deeper than that of, you know, just in transparency of like, man, what am I, what am I like in, you know, if it's, if it's alcohol, what am I engaging with this for? Like, am I, man, I had a rough day and I'm upset and frustrated 
and like oh, I'm just gonna have a drink. It's like, man, I I've just made a decision. Like I don't want that to be mm. why I get. I like I want it'll be it'll be celebratory. When it's a birthday, it's a you know, um, my my sister was cancer free, and we you know went out and had dinner and drinks. It's like, I like that's what I want it to be associated around. I don't want it to be like this is where I go when I'm down. I want to go to God when I'm down. You know what I mean? Like, like are we are we discerning and being honest? I think the other thing is you got to be honest with yourself because we we are very very good at going um, at justifying our actions, and we can we can we can justify anything away. Um, and I think uh, go, going back to where we started, right, of, man, if I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, it's like, man, is this is this is this doing that for me um, and answering that honestly? And if it's no, am I like, do I care enough about my um, and, and this isn't have to be even like a salvation, you know, well, if does that mean I'm not saved if I don't? It's, it's not even that like we're talking uh, communion because to me I'm like if if you're talking about your relationship with God like it's like communion with him you know first John like do we am I in good fellowship with God and the believers like I want to be in good fellowship I don't want to I don't want to have my conscience seared right and so it's if I'm thinking about that that fellowship it's like man is this is this is this hindering my fellowship if so then it's like do I do I care about that enough that I'm willing to step away from it um and I think even just making, I feel like I'm going long on this point, but it's just, I think it's, it's, it's important. Um, it's like, man, maybe we just need to step away from that stuff at a time just to, just to make sure, right? Like right now we're in a good example. We're in a season of Lent. People giving away, giving up stuff. My wife gave up uh, social media and alcohol. I gave up coffee. I love coffee. I roast coffee. <laughs> I ain't had coffee since Lent started. I'm doing all right, y'all. Kinda. Um, but it's like, man, I just wanna I just always wanna make sure like I can like I can do without this, right? Yeah. This doesn't have that kind of hold on me. Um and I, I think those kinds of those kinds of rhythms, I think there's a reason why you know, even the Lenten season is is a rhythm that the church has participated in, is we just need to we need to have those boundaries. And we need to have this constant um place of self awareness about what our hearts' motivations really are. Uh, that we believe scripture when it says our hearts aren't aren't always pointing in the right direction and want to glorify God. And, you know, how can I be honest about that and 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 formed in such a way that I'm not trying to do the bare minimum? Yeah. Like that, honestly, to Marcus, that was a really <laughs> powerful example because I think sometimes our questions about is this wise, can I do this, are more of, what can I do and still get in, minimum? get in, mm-hmm. and not, you know, what allows me to really find fellowship and communion with the Lord, and not in a way because I think sometimes there's another side to this where people find a bit too much pride mm. in, man, I do all the right things, and you know, then it how we respond to other people who are making decisions that might not be as wise can be really judgmental and legalistic, and it is that. We are inviting people into communion and and fellowship with God, that's and good. that's the best place to be. And we yes. would want that for you, and want to, um, as kingdom community members, help you process your questions about wisdom to point your heart to say, "This is what's more beautiful than what you want." Mm. Um, another one of the pastors I listen to 
Ben Stewart, and he got it from somebody else. Um, he talks about like how do you dislodge uh, like a desire from your heart? You replace it with something more beautiful. Mm. And so sometimes we try to like you know beat somebody down for wanting to do something. It's horrible. You're a bad person. You're sinning. And some things we might want to do are are sin. Um, mm-hmm. As we are having that conversation, that what we want to do is recapture people's hearts for this thing over here with the Lord is actually more beautiful and it's more satisfying and it is what you were designed. It's what you live off of. It's what you thrive in. Um, and so hang out over here and not over there. Um, but that we're honest with ourselves when, man, maybe this question about wisdom is a question about how much can I do and still hold on to Jesus. And it's like, the question should be what will help me experience the most mm. of my relationship with the Lord. And if something gets in the way of that, mm. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Or I don't, or Lord help me. I don't want to want it. That's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. I want this more than I should. Lord help me not want it the way I want it. Cause I want it too much. I want and it. I want you more. I want you more. Mm. Um, And I think ultimately that's what wisdom points us to is how can I live a life where I get the most of the Lord and not in a consuming way, but a way of this is what's right and beautiful and I want to be here hmm. because Jesus saved me so I could be here. Come on. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about this season, guys. This is just the intro. Uh, and we have topics about uh, wisdom and technology, wisdom and entertainment, um, wisdom in a lot of different categories of, or areas uh, that we can engage in our everyday lives. And yeah. so uh, we're just really excited about this because again, it came out of the questions that you had. And yeah. so we heard a the theme of wisdom. And we're like, hey, let's just talk about it let's and have it. some a good fun sharing, learning from each other and hopefully imparting to you some guidance that can help you make wise decisions. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This episode is produced by Chelsea Conway with editing and support from The Good Podcast Company. If you're a regular follower of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can message us on social. Check the show notes for more information on how best to connect with us, as well as connect with our guests and ways to support their work. See y'all next time.